Howdy folks, this is The Good Speaking. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok. Enjoy the gold. Justice for Barb. Barb is back. She's out for blood. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Isaac, when when we started watching uh, romance rom-coms for this first week of February, I I didn't think we'd we'd be watching a horror movie in the making, sort of a prequel. I I didn't either. Mm. Ah, wow. Edge of my seat. Yeah, this this movie gave Carrie a run for its money. It did, yeah. Wow, what a cold, calculated, sociopathical nature. Of this. Yes. Stealing identities. Yeah. Identity theft is not a joke, Jim. It's fucking, yeah. Not a joke on Valentine's. So this is a movie, or this is a movie about about a skinwalker. A skinwalker, yeah. (laughs) About the scariest myth of native culture. The skinwalkers. They steal, they'll eat you and steal your identity. Walk among you. That is terrifying. Oh, truly horrifying. Really. And you know what else is horrifying, Isaac? The fact that we haven't introduced ourselves yet. Welcome back, everyone, <laughs> to the Good, the Bad, and the Boys podcast. We are your, we are your terrified hosts. I'm Taryn. I'm Isaac, and uh, we are continuing uh, February leading up to Valentine's Day, doing some uh, romantic comedy, as we uh, just mentioned now. We are starting off today with a horrifying Silence of the Lambs-type film. Oh, yeah. Sierra Burgess is a loser. This girl will give Carrie just a, a run for it. Yeah. She's like Elijah Wood's character in... Uh, was it the the black and white one sin city it's oh. like elijah wood's character in sin, oh, city. sin city just cold oh doesn't make an expression oh, even when his arms and legs yeah. are cut off. <laughs> oh, God, terrifying image but yes what a, what a movie so this is on netflix just came out um 2018 and oh 2018 yeah, it was a pretty new pretty new movie three years ago almost and I guess it is a modern retelling of a continuing with our French themes. We we started off this uh, week with Moulin Rouge. Go check that out if you haven't, and go watch that movie. It's great. We are continuing our French uh, American adaptations. This one is based off of C- Cyrano de Bergerac, Edmond <laughs> Rostand's um, <laughs> play. I guess written in like 1897. Yeah, so play written by by French poet Edmond. Rostand in 1897 about a guy named Serrano de Bergerac uh, who lived in 17th wow, century. You France. said that perfectly. <laughs> Is uh, I had such a hard time with that. Yeah, 18 <laughs> or six, 1680s, like 1618 France. He was born. He was he himself was a, mm. a novelist, a playwright, and a duelist. Which I noticed a distinct lack of Ooh. dueling in Sierra Burgess. Is a looter. Is a loser. A distinct lack of really any of the themes in Sierra Burgess is, is <laughs> a loser. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I suppose. Seeing as this is a, a lore channel, shall we dissect the lore of the play this so poorly <laughs> ripped off? I, honestly, just I think it just kind of shoehorned a scene in that was similar-ish and then uh, completely disregarded all of the themes and character traits of oh. Serrano. As a, Interesting. I, I did not read the synopsis of Serrano. So Serrano de Bergerac is about, I believe he's he's a playwright named Serrano based off of the, the actual historical figure who falls in love mm. with this girl named Roxanne. And he's he's a very articulate man. He's very worldly and, and knowledgeable. 
but he has his big fat fucking nose. Roxanne. Roxanne. <laughs> Go watch our Moulin Rouge review. <laughs> it came out on Monday. <laughs> but he has his big fucking honker nose that he's really uh, insecure about. The nose is kind of his insecurities. And there's another man who loves Roxanne. His name is Christian. And he is uh, a real hunk. He's a cadet in the French army, but Ooh. he is a dipshit. And they both, in the first act, vie for her attentions and, and they even wrestle. They, they rumble a little. Eventually, they, they come to the conclusion that neither one of them is good enough to win her affections on their own. So they decide to, to do it together. They come together to both to woo her and use their skills to compensate for, for the others. So Serrano writes her beautiful letters, mm. uh, just the most kindly worded ones. And Christian, uh, you know, he's, he's the face of the operation. He's hot. And the play became so famous because of, uh, well, the, the psychological <laughs> profile that came out of it. It was something called Cyranoids, which was, mm. I know, I went so far down the rabbit hole of lore behind Sierra <laughs> Burgess is a loser. Nowhere in like the Honestly, the movie she is super complex. I don't blame you. <laughs> is again, so here we are psychoanalyzing <laughs> the serial killer of Sierra Burgess. <laughs> Nowhere in like the, 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 the Netflix the girl of many faces description or the movie or anything is Serrano de Bergerac referenced. It's I guess kind of in the name. Sierra Serrano Burgess Bergerac. I guess the closest it comes to it. Oh, okay. As well as a scene in the movie, which uh, is like the zoomer mimic of a scene from the play. And the scene from the play that garnered so much attention was one where where Christian stands on on like below Roxanne's balcony at night. She can she can only see his silhouette, and he tries to he tries to talk to her, but he's just a he just is coming off as a dipshit. She doesn't know why he's acting like such a dumbass after his beautiful, well worded letters, and she's about to storm off when. Where when Serrano, out of Roxanne's line of sight, like under the porch or something, <laughs> starts feeding him lines to say. Oh. And so Roxanne believes it is Christian who is saying all these lovely poetic words to her and, and winning her affections. Okay. But really, it's Serrano. And do you remember Stanley Milgram? <laughs> who? Oh, man. He was, he's brought up in like 10th grade, you know, sociology. Stanley Milgram was an American oh. social psychologist who in the 1960s did the very results yielding yet very controversial test of the, uh, it was like the authority test. Oh. Remember that guy? The... I did not read about this. Oh. I, I, don't, I don't remember. He was. I didn't pay attention. Okay. Yeah. So he, he did an obedience to authority test to see like, why did the Nazis commit? Why were so many Nazi soldiers willing to commit such atrocities during World War II? And his conclusions oh. were it was it was the obedience to authority. People's regard of authority can outweigh their moral compass in a lot of settings. Oh, right. And yeah. Okay. The way he did this was he had people be a teacher uh, and they thought they were just, you know, volunteering for a thing and that the other person was the subject of the experiment for like some new electroshock <laughs> learning method oh, where they shoot. would shock them with okay. progressively higher voltages every time they got an answer wrong. And there would be a proctor there oh, telling shit. them to do it. And the person who was like the student, quote unquote, in the scenario was in on it. And they weren't actually shocking them. They were just acting. But as the, oh, okay. yeah, as okay. each experiment went on, it was, it was people would have to hit them with higher and higher voltage. And the student would eventually be like, please stop. I want to stop the experiment. 
And the proctor, the psychologist, the figure of authority in the situation would be like, no, keep shocking them. The experiment's not over yet. And they would act it out to such a degree that these people who were teachers thought they were murdering people <laughs> because eventually they, oh my the student would just like play dead <laughs> oh no. and the proctor would be like, keep shocking them. And it was found out that like 65% of people continued shocking them to like the lethal state. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And despite them, all, you know, all coming out at the end and saying this was an experiment, I'm not actually dead. Uh, it like fucked people in the head for life because <laughs> they thought they killed people. <laughs> I don't doubt it. So Stanley Milgram. Yeah, oh my God. That guy. <laughs> also did a study okay you know what i think i did i, I do remember learning yeah. something about that so yeah. that was a milgram um, wow yeah and the he also okay. did a study on serenoids which was based off of serrano de bergerac the play in which okay. things said by one person an unseen person their dialogue are spoken through a different person and it had a lot to do with like analyzing prejudices prejudices of, of race and gender they even did one where him, the mm. like PhD having psychologist, would be feeding twelve year olds things to say as they talk to like their teacher or something for like an interview for school. <laughs> and the teacher just thought they were they were twelve year olds. Like people will believe that shit is what the conclusion of that was. Oh, right. Is that as a serenoid, it's something you can get away with. And so all this I found much okay. much more interesting than than the actual movie. Oh wow, yeah, that's uh... Sierra Burgess is a loser. It <laughs> is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> It plays into my headcanon themes of that she is someone who who needs a psychoanalysis <laughs> as she uses like, <laughs> psychological manipulation techniques oh God, to get yeah. what she wants. Yeah. Uh, plenty of people online have roasted this movie just because Sierra Burgess is a bad person uh, and the movie isn't really that good otherwise. Yeah. As, a, as a romance movie, it's not very compelling. As, yeah. uh, as a protagonist, Sierra Burgess is not much of a protagonist. She's more of, it's more of like a, no. I see her as kind of like story. the Joker yeah, this is a... movie. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. This is more of just a prequel to a serial yeah, killer. Yeah, maybe it is a, maybe it's a fall of a hero, you know, like she's a really educated person. The ending of this movie definitely, a spiral or something. Out of it definitely affirms everything that she did. <laughs> Even the guy she was after <laughs> was like, yep. was like, well, you did a bad thing, but if you didn't do it, maybe we wouldn't have had this. And then they kiss and go to homecoming together. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Before we analyze this as a failed adaptation of <laughs> of Edmund Rostin's play, let's analyze it as just a failed movie in general. What were your uh, What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's you know, it's it's Barb from Stranger Things. So at first I was like, okay, interesting. Maybe this isn't as bad. It's um, it's a weird movie. I don't know. For some reason, with this uh, this pacing of the movie. And just, I think with all our talks about her being the villain and stuff and <laughs> being a sociopath, I was kind of like, I don't know, the way that the movie was, was paced, like it, it felt, I felt like I was watching a horror movie, really. I felt like I was watching a but, horror movie. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it was. I think I think it got to my head that with all our psychopath talks. The memes we were sending back and forth as we watched yeah. it. <laughs> and there's this like, yeah, I just, I had I had this like sense of dread that you get when watching a horror dread. movie of like, oh, you know something's gonna gonna happen. Something bad's gonna happen. Even like with the whole climax of the stadium and everything going to shit, you know, I was like, <laughs> oh god, what's gonna happen? But I'm like, oh wait, it's a Netflix rom-com. It's okay. It's all gonna be okay. But yes, I thought too, like I think the performances weren't that bad. 
not as bad as I've seen in like other like you know like obviously with like Hallmark movies. Like it's not the worst I've ever seen. It's not super campy, but like it's, it's not... definitely not good. It's still awkward teen acting, but yeah. Shannon Purser is all right. Kristen Frosseth, yeah, uh, she's she was all right too. My favorite was probably R.J. Clyder, the guy from Blue Ranger from Power Rangers. He was he was very funny. Oh yeah, yeah, he did great. He definitely has he has a, a comedic presence. Yeah, he has sure. he has he's like a fun comedic niche. I think he's yeah. he's coming into his own, especially after Power Rangers, kind of a break for him. So it's fun seeing him in new stuff. Uh, I look forward to seeing what he does. Yeah. Hopefully, he can break out of like the comic relief best friend. Yeah, mold. hopefully. But he was probably the most entertaining for sure. I agree. I don't know the the love interest. I, I don't know. He was he was just really derpy. Oh no, kind of kind of awkward. I mean, I, I see what they were. Whatever his name is, the yeah, yeah the the man whose affections she vies for. I feel like he's funnier than he's allowed to be. He's in a like a bunch of shit on Netflix, like yeah. and he's a, in every one. He's just like sort of the hunky derp, and that's kind of his yeah. only role. And he definitely plays that up in this movie. And yeah, you're right. I think I think his humor is kind of suppressed during this movie a little bit. I feel like he could be a pretty funny actor as well. But he reminds me of like a I don't know. I I just I just he just seemed weird to me. He reminds <laughs> me of like a younger Henry Cavill. Yeah, he's a, he's a hot yeah. dude, and that's really just all he really gets to be. That one of the movie I saw him get to branch out the most in was Man from Uncle, where he's not the biggest oh, guy yeah, in the maybe, room yeah. in that movie. That goes to Army Hammer, so oh, we're right. focused on more facets facets of his personality and I, th- I think he did great in that one so i think it's in the same way as rj seiler is also kind of getting typecast as well yeah it's just like it's... they're kind of stuck in their typecast and you hope that they'll branch out eventually but yeah, yeah. but a movie like this isn't really help with that it's just like the stereotype no. and i mean it's character archetypes yeah it's it's like let it snow <laughs> like that we reviewed in december you know it's just like that john green vibes i guess and you know it's just this yeah. with a lot of a lot of horror teenage elements throughout. <laughs> with a lot of undertones of horror dreadfulness you know what she will become in her demise but <laughs> aside from the horror though i even they started the film and, and ended the film with like sort of a 80s synth totally plays off of that 80s music this movie kind of reminded me of like uh carrie meets pretty in pink meets <laughs> carrie meets pretty uh-huh. in pink. <laughs> sorry carrie the best to, description to appeal to the horror side of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but pretty pink uh you know maybe a little um oh what was the other oh i don't know Shining? oh yeah just oh like maybe like 12th night she's the man kind of reminded me of that okay so yeah yeah the shining a little uh, silence of the lambs <laughs> aesthetic to her so it kind of plays off of like i think they were trying to go more for like the john hughes style movie okay i could see that i saw a little bit of that style in it and i mean it's fine it works sort of well in a modern sense uh, what they were trying to do they, they kind of call back those type of movies but yeah, it's just, it's, uh, again, with the criticisms, uh, this whole catfishing ordeal and um, glorifying it at the end <laughs> is a little questionable. Um. Yeah, it lacks the, the charm of the John Hughes movies in the characters and the, the relationship <laughs> as a whole. So yeah. and it, the tone goes from, from that to sort of an unintentional horror movie prequel. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it it really does. Sierra Burgess, man, she's Sierra kind Burgess of a scary individual. Is stone cold. I think Sierra Burgess <laughs> could give Black Widow a run for our money in terms of just <laughs> cold, calculated, be who you need her to be oh. in whatever circumstance yeah. fits her the most. 
whatever benefits are the most. So maybe this is the Black Widow movie that we didn't know we needed since the other one is never coming out. Yeah, maybe. This, this is, is the, sort of the Black Widow prequel. This is like still being delayed. This is the dark this timeline Black Widow where instead of the, the, dark the world making her cruel, but she has her own conscience, the world is a nice place and she's just a monster. <laughs> she's the monster. So I look forward to yeah. the... Uh, her her family life too it just spells out sociopath yeah. too. I just feel like especially at the end she's like I can't live up to your guys's um, success and she's having a hard time living up to her family's legacy and her dad like pulls a a Dr. Jones in like Indiana Jones 3 and like makes makes her like recite <laughs> authors based on quotes he's like pulling a like when when uh, Indiana Jones' dad is like making him count in Greek or whatever. <laughs> you ever see the show before he's allowed to like step into the study? Prodigal Son. You no, ever see that show? It's about a it's about like a world class detective who finds serial killers, and he's so good at it, and he knows him so well because his dad is oh. a serial killer. And one of the themes in the show is that he doesn't know if it's if it's you know he's oh, he's shit. crazy too, and if he's going to be a killer. Ooh, it's kind of like that. You know, he's her dad the, the is this this genius genetics? poet, a master of of human language and emotion. And he uses it to write award-winning books. She uses it to con her way to the top like a true killer. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. Well, luckily, she gets to vent her frustrations of obtaining her legacy by using her dad's um, genetics of just writing songs about her problems, which is good. That's a good way to... That's a good outlet. It's <laughs> a good coping That's mechanism. That's a healthy so outlet. Glad. So Not... <laughs> it, was, it was a kind of a... Um, it was a close call, but, but uh, they were able to... Evade they're able to reel her back psychopathic in. tendencies by maybe maybe that's why the movie ends through so song well and music in her favor she does horrible things throughout this movie she ruins her friendships uh she she really just cons this dude and they all they all just like her at the end the guy's like uh no you did a yeah. terrible thing but it's okay because i like you and and the girl who was her bully and then her best friend and then and then whose life she kind of ruined she's like i forgive you and and her <laughs> other best friend who she sort of abandoned for this whole endeavor it was like we're we're all we're cool. Maybe they're not actually cool with it. Maybe they're just sort of you know the police came by and were like you need to be nice to her. The police. I really hope there was some type of police intervention because goddamn that is if just left to her that own is devices. Some legal action right Sierra there. Sierra Burgess is one of the most dangerous people in the world. Honestly, she's <laughs> really? a master manipulator. Honestly. I think. She's been watching. She is a Palpatine way too many of, Palpatine of the John Green yeah, universe. <laughs> Palpatine <laughs> of the rom com verse. <laughs> Sierra Burge uh, is the final yeah. boss. The final boss. All right, boss. but yes. more final entertaining form. headcanon aside, uh, yeah, like you said, the technical <laughs> stuff, the pacing, camera work, it's all just very generic rom com, whatnot. The performances are so so. Yeah. And it, this movie is like a on the line average you know, whatever teen dramedy film. It's just the plot <laughs> and the character of Sierra Burgess <laughs> that makes it so memeable <laughs> and just so fun to hate. Yeah, it really, <laughs> because it really... Yeah. It really, yes. <laughs> she, the movie is she thinks she's ugly, which is sort of a similar start to the Serrano de Bergerac movie. And so she, she enlists the help of the most popular girl at school uh, who would be the Christian character in this film. To win the affections of a of a guy named Jamie, who would be the Roxanne character, in where it deviates from the original play, it does so incorrectly. It's as if they didn't get the point of <laughs> Serrano de Bergerac. It's like someone read the play and was like, "Okay, 
catfishing is cool. <laughs> Let's make a movie about that. <laughs> because in, in the play, yeah. Serrano and Christian, they fight each other over the affections of Roxanne without her knowing. They just, mm. they're like, all right, all right, buddy, let's rumble. And eventually they realize neither of them, through their own insecurities, are good enough for Roxanne. And they decide that together they can be one man good enough for her affections. In this one, the, the mm. character, the Christian character, Veronica is her name, the one played by Kristen Froseth, doesn't like Jake, at least not, not at first, not at all, really, throughout the movie. I don't think she likes him at all. She doesn't like him, so she doesn't have the same motivations that Sierra does. She doesn't. She's not, like, pretty but dumb to win over this guy. She wants Sierra's help to win over another guy who thinks she's pretty but dumb. So Veronica is really just trying to, to better herself. It might be for the wrong reasons because it's to win the affections of a guy. But <laughs> she, she actually wants to learn things and, <laughs> and just sort of broaden her mind so that she can date smart college guys. Sierra manipulates her into doing this <laughs> by <laughs> only agreeing to tutor her if she is the face of Sierra's relationship. And she capitalizes on Veronica's shitty home life and personal insecurities to do so. <laughs> and in the in the play, in the Serrano de Bergerac play, uh, Christian he was a cadet in the in the French army, and he goes off to he goes off to fight, and he suffers mortal wounds, and he dies in front of Roxanne for the sake of the love that he knew mm. Christian had for her, and the love that that Roxanne felt for him. Serrano keeps the secret. He keeps the secret that they were sort of like 18th century catfishing her to his grave. Oh, wow. She eventually figures it out through hearing Serrano read his own letters that he wrote her, that it was Serrano's, it, those were his words the entire time, and just Christian's face. Okay. Uh, but even when she confronts him Damn. about it, as he's dying of someone dropping a log on his head, he's like, no, no, it wasn't me. I loved you, and Christian loved you, and... Yeah. So he, Chris Serrano believes above all in the integrity of love. And while he compromises the integrity of his own identity for the sake of it, that's mm. still above all what he believes in. And he will, even after Christian's death and even on his own deathbed, he will still tell, tell Roxanne that, that, you know, it was Christian who, who loved her just as much as he did because he did. I suppose that's a, a true bohemian Moulin Rouge way of looking at <laughs> yeah, things, so I guess. I it don't makes know. him more <laughs> more of a tragic hero in that he, he loves mm. the integrity of love more than more than his own interpretation of it. More than more than okay. the love. Well, that's pretty deep. For, that's pretty complex. For him and Roxanne, he values the love that Christian and Roxanne had equally as much because they worked equally to con it out of her. <laughs> it's kind of a backwards play. But Sierra Burgess <laughs> takes this and she, yeah, she yeah. only values the <laughs> herself. <laughs> She <laughs> got him into the into the ground. So she coerces Veronica into helping her con uh, Jamie. She pretends to be deaf because Jamie's younger brother is deaf when she first meets him, and and he doesn't God. know that she's the one who's been texting. <laughs> she pretends to be a deaf oh, person. Psychopath. She makes Veronica go on a date with him and do all the romancing, and then when they're about to kiss, she makes her <laughs> make him close his eyes, take the kiss. <laughs> unconsensual because he doesn't know it's her <laughs> scuttles away and oh, then he God. can open his eyes again <laughs> she only admits to the truth when veronica in a rage a rage induced by sierra's own actions because you know 
Jamie thinks he's dating Veronica. <laughs> he doesn't fucking know Sierra. <laughs> so when he sees her at like a football game while they're dating, he, he gives her a smooch, which, you know, you would do to your significant other because most people right. don't assume that their significant other is actually a meat puppet for a, a fucking con man. <laughs> Trying to just fiddling with your emotions as some, if it's a piano. Forty year old on the some internet fucking, under the guise of a most people don't assume their hot cheerleader girlfriend is is actually some some forty year old Reddit user. So oh God. Sierra sees Veronica kiss Jamie and in a rage she leaks Sierra's like greatest shame that she still couldn't pull her her college boyfriend even after all she learned. She she just puts that shit up on the fucking jumbotron. She like hacks into her Instagram <laughs> so, and just posts it everywhere. Uh, and only then uh, does Veronica reveal, hey, uh, this woman is puppeteering you. Get out now while you still can. Then she runs up and she's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I can explain. I can and explain. so we think this is where sort of the, you know, one would assume if we were going off the Serrano de Bergerac play, of which they have completely gone off the rails from, that this would be the tragic hero moment where she learns her faults not to do it again yeah and she is instead vindicated in every way at the end of the show <laughs> she comes home roasts the shit out of her parents just she's just like you're pretty and you're successful <laughs> i hate you i'll never be you made me she's like i'll never be as good as you and then she runs upstairs and and in the, over the course of 15 minutes writes a song that that everyone loves she writes a song about sunflowers I, I truly think that she is a master manipulator, a, a, a narcissist, and a sociopath in every sense of the word. She knows just what to say uh, and absolutely. when to say it. I don't doubt that she secretly had this song written all along because she knew when she was eventually made <gasps> that she could just. She, this was her contingency. This was her plans, contingency. If it she all could just pull it shit. out of her pocket <laughs> and make everyone forgive her again. She really just knows how to wow. gaslight everyone around her <laughs> into doing her bidding. Damn. So she writes a song scary. and she sends it to Veronica and Veronica just loves it so much that she forgives her and goes to JB and is like, look at this pretty song she wrote. See, she's not a monster. And he <laughs> believes it too. I don't know what fucking Jungian hypnosis uh, shit she had I, going yeah. on <laughs> in the in the chords of this <laughs> keyboard driven song. She can just hypnotize people. And then, wow. yeah, so Jamie comes back to her and is like, that was weird and it was wrong. But, you know, if you didn't do it, we never would have met and had this beautiful love. And then he takes her to homecoming and they all hug it out. And that's the end of the movie. That's what she learns is, <laughs> is that I guess this was a no-no, but it worked. So, <laughs> and that's what the main catfishing, catfishing works. works. Yeah. So that's the main <laughs> criticism of this movie is its message that catfishing works yeah. as opposed to the themes of Serrano de Bergerac where yeah. it is not, <laughs> right. it's more of a tragedy about, about love and that's that's what i was hoping for at the end of the film i was really hoping it wouldn't end like like a john hughes movie where everything's like okay in the end and it works <laughs> out i was really hoping that she would like actually learn her lesson like okay that was really bad what i did maybe i was thinking either her and veronica maybe find some connection together or she's just like all right i need to focus on college and never do that again and <laughs> like that was really bad of me and i messed up and I got caught up on this, on the social life that I just, you know, I, I just need to stick to my academics and what I am here for and not catfish a man ever again. So I was hoping for something like that where she really doesn't get the guy in the end. I was really hoping. Um, 
and it, it turns out yeah it just negates all the the negativity of catfishing by saying it's okay i love you anyway <laughs> Oh, there's another thing she got away with in the movie. As she was pulling all of these shenanigans and gaslighting her friends around her, there was this other like side plot where the class had a poem that they had to write, oh. and that was worth like ten percent of their grade. Oh, yeah. And she, you know, she's like, "Oh, it's some real important thing uh, for college, you know." And I got to get good essays out of my English teacher. Good letter of recommendation. She doesn't. She doesn't submit the poem on time. This other girl, there's some other side character girl who goes unnamed, does it first. And she she has this really cool like slam poetry that she wrote, and everyone's like, "Wow, good job!" And they don't ever attribute that to her successes. They're like, "Wow, you got some competition, Sierra Burgess." <laughs> the teacher like looks her in the eyes, <laughs> like, "Wow, the bar said hi. You got some competition." And then she sub- she just sh- submits her her sunflower song late, like that's her fucking magnum opus of of the human psyche. <laughs> now this shitty song about yep. sunflowers you can just make people do what you want. She gives that to her teacher late, and her teacher's like, I will write you a beautiful college recommendation essay. This is great. <laughs> so she, this is wow. really a story of... A, so everything worked out so it's well. It's like the prequel to an Ocean's Eleven character. It really is. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Yeah. That's just, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty crazy. I, I, and I was, I was even thinking, like, is... Is the police going to show up at the end of this movie? You know, is the like, police going to show gonna up? Have like some really bad legal, you know, things. Maybe some juvenile where she really has to like really work on herself before <laughs> she's, you know, and the, then it like delays her college thing or you know college aspirations because she goes to juvie. So it's like I don't. <laughs> but no, it just all works out in the end. I was really hoping that she would really learn her lesson at the end, but she didn't, and she has been enabled, and now she is going to steal people's faces now she's yeah now she, she is, grows up she is the owner in this movie again like you said in the indiana jones thing she was constantly and her dad constantly has her reference you know old old writers and poets and such and she even compares veronica in her in her tragedy to like a dickens character in that uh, i forget the name of it but it was like all all looks and no substance and everyone loved him for his looks and he eventually loses his soul and so I was, I was trying to find or think of like historical parallels for Sierra to another character. And that's how I ended up on the, on the Serrano de Bergerac play, uh, since it was based off of that. But since mm-hmm. she's nothing at all like Serrano, she's not even a duelist, which is a bit lame. Didn't even see any <laughs> duels. Yeah. I, the only real historical or mythological figure I could attribute her to was, uh, was in Japanese myth, is the, the, the mm. malevolent force of the Oni. <laughs> Oh my God, the Oni, <laughs> it, wow. it wears other people's oh, faces okay, okay. And, and steals children in the night <laughs> that, that was kind of the only parallel i could find since she has she's absolutely nothing like the play based on the character she's based on what, what are your uh, thoughts yeah, on that i i was just getting total yeah i was getting total just carry vibes <laughs> like you know she's she's kind of you know she's not the most attractive person in the school she gets berated by everyone and I really thought she was going to have her revenge on the, you know, the most popular girl <laughs> and uh, become what she just wishes she could be. And I, I, I wasn't sure, you know, I, really the whole stadium, I was kind of on the, the whole stadium scene at the end. I was kind of on the edge of my seat because I was like, oh, my God, she's gonna, like, what she's what she going to do? It did kill Veronica. Is <laughs> Veronica going to kill, kill her? Is, 
thinking. Um, and or is Veronica going to snap and then also become a killer? Maybe they're just like a, a duo we... face stealing catfisher villains. <laughs> I, you know, you just you just never know. I was scared, scared for everyone that was there, the whole stadium and this whole homecoming football game. That was going to be the, the disaster. Big, yep, that's when that's it where goes, all everything all comes wrong. into play. You know. The whole carry situation, the homecoming <laughs> carry situation. So I was like, oh man, what's going to happen? But anyways. <laughs> yeah, I see it. Thinking, thinking about this movie, putting it in a genre, any other genre than the one that it's in, makes it more entertaining to watch. Because then you could just come up with crazy yeah. headcanon like we did. Otherwise, you're just like, this is a really <laughs> backwards, kind of just weird, boring Netflix romantic comedy. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, like this this needed to follow She's the Man with Amanda Bynes. Like that was a full-on comedy and and the the whole premise is 